Ugh, our 20s. The drunk dialing, the forgetting to wash our face at night, and yes, neglecting our teeth. Don't do that last one. You only get one set of teeth, so you need to protect them. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface and locks in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. Pronamel also makes a new mouthwash, which helps to repair acid-weakened enamel beyond brushing alone. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair any where you buy your toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit pronamel.com today. Conair is spreading love and celebrating women, not just on International Women's Day, but every day with Conair Girl Bomb. Girl Bomb is their new line of powerful hair removal tools made just for us. Whether it's the silky smooth skin or the empowering confidence boost you get, Conair Girl Bomb is here to amp up those positive vibes with some self care. So to all the beautiful women out there, keep shining, keep being you, and treat yourself to some Conair Girl Bomb magic. You deserve it. Now available at Walgreens. You're ready for a comeback. And with Purdue Global, you can do more than take classes. You can take charge of your story, of your career, of your life. Earn a degree you can be proud of and get an education employers respect. It's time, your time not just to go back to school, but to come back and move forward with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback at purdueglobal.edu. The following ad is sponsored by Pets Best Insurance Services. Pets come into our lives in many ways, shelters, breeders, or unexpected encounters. But no matter how you found your pet, they become our perfect match. Unfortunately, finding the right pet insurance plan can be hard. That's where Pets Best comes in. With a little information about you and your pet, Pets Best will recommend a plan that meets your needs and budget. Visit PetsBest.com to learn more today. Your perfect pet deserves the perfect coverage. PetsBest.com. Hello everybody and welcome back to the psychology of your 20s, the podcast where we talk through some of the big life changes and transitions of our 20s and what they mean for our psychology. Hello everybody, welcome back to the show, welcome back to another episode, new listeners, old listeners, wherever you are in the world, I am so glad that you have joined us for an episode that I am so very excited about, it's been a long time coming, it's been in the works for a while, I'm bringing on a beautiful guest, a beautiful friend, to talk about things like identity, uh, rituals, creative inspiration, everything and anything in between. Without further ado, I'd love for you to introduce yourself. Hello. Hello. Hi. <laughs> Hi. Um, nice to meet you all. Yeah. Um, big fan. Yeah. Oh, you're a big fan. Big fan. <laughs> big fan of big, the audience. Big, big fan. So who are you? That's who, a good question. Yeah. Who am I? No, my name is Claude Bailey. My mm. pronouns are they, them, they and them. Um, mm. I'm a filmmaker and more recently have started doing a lot of work in queer youth, mm. queer youth art projects, workshops, development programs. I don't really know how to sum it up, Mm. but I am a big advocate for giving queer youth opportunities to express themselves. And a lot of my filmmaking work, because I write, direct and produce, is, you know, centering queer youth as well. I just, Mm. I love them. They're the future. They are. They Mm -hmm. are the future. You did an amazing film recently, didn't you? I did. (laughs) Can you talk about it a little bit? I feel like people would love to hear about it yeah i made a film called right here it mm. premiered at sydney film festival which yeehaw. was ye- oh, oh yeehaw well sydney <laughs> film festival no when i got the email i screamed in the street it was a really, really? gorgeous moment and i really? called my best friend and i was like it happened oh, it happened were you crying i did cry i would be crying yeah it was i always went to that festival when i was much younger and wanted to be a filmmaker so then getting to have my film there was a really big moment um but that film was my fifth short film and my last I think really yeah I'm done with short films anyway um but it was about a young non-binary person uh they came out to their parents on their birthday it didn't go very well you don't really see that and then they materialize at their future self's birthday party and they see the life they're gonna have and the community they're going to have because I think a really big thing is that 
when you're a teenager or a kid, queer youth generally, um, you don't have any control over your environment. You don't Mm -hmm. have any control over your school, over your family. And so I wanted to give young people some tangible hope that's like, if right now your environment is not it, Mm. it's coming. I Mm. promise you, because it happened for me and it happened for so many queer folk around me. So it's coming. You just got to, and like, unfortunately hold tight Mm. because it's all yours. Wow. And that's what the film's about. Oh my God. That's an amazing message. Yeah. That is beautiful. And we're being, we're going to bring it to schools all around Australia um, this year. I have a, I'm working with Wear It Purple, which is a non-for-profit queer youth organization. And we're going to try and get it to young people all around to be like, here, yeah, have this little nugget of joy. Yeah. As someone who, like, obviously we both grew up in Australia, I don't think I there was any queer representation in any of my curriculum growing up. None at all. Oh, not in curriculum. Oh, no any, way. in any facet, like, you know. And I went to a pretty progressive school, and even within that environment, it was like, this isn't really spoken about. Mm. And it's not something that was, like, I think people had access to or were able to be educated on, which is so bizarre to me because I'm like, it does make up such a, an amazing, vibrant part of our society. Yeah. It's just part of everyday life for so many people, even people who aren't queer. Um, so I'm really excited that you're able to do that. Well, that's, what's very interesting is that I'm working with a lot of queer youth right now and mm. they have a lot more access to online spaces and yeah. to representation. Yeah. But what I'm finding um, is that even though they have all this access, they have the terminology, they have the language, they know it's out there. They still, though, cannot touch it. Mm. It's beyond their grasps. And at a lot of schools, there's um, the QSA, the Queer Straight Alliance, and different mm-hmm. pride groups, and there's those spaces. But it's still, it's still out of grasp. Yeah. It's still not in reach. And yeah. so I think it's still extremely important. Yeah. That's actually a really good point because I do feel like with the rise of, of social media and things like that, which we talk about quite a bit on the podcast and how it's changed our dynamics with other people and our relationships to ourselves, the fact that you're like, that still isn't something that's like tangible for them. But I want to talk about this a little bit more, like how you talked about how your film, the concept of your film was giving that hope to queer youth. Was that something that you drew a lot from your personal experience how much of that was really like thinking about your past and thinking about how you came to really like embrace and, and show people your identity. Yeah. Well, I went to a Catholic or girl school. Mm. Um, oh, wow. Yeah. Positive. Yeah. And, um, I was in the closet, but I didn't even know I was in the closet. Like I was in Narnia and I was living there yeah. and like, I was in love with my best friend in high school, but I didn't, that didn't equate to me being queer. I was just like, Oh, I love her. I love her, but I'm not a lesbian. Um, And I don't identify as a lesbian now. Anyway, interesting. But um, I think that I didn't even have any of the tools to start to understand who I was or how I identified. That wasn't wasn't around me whatsoever. We were all boy crazy. And Yeah. yeah, it just... Again, that's what's so interesting about young people now is that they do have the access to understand what the queer world is like and what is out there, but they don't, they can't grasp. But I didn't even know. I had no idea. So I think back to my younger self and I have so much love for them. I have so much love because not that I had a really great upbringing and I had a really gorgeous time in high school, but I just never really felt like myself. I never felt comfortable in my skin. Mm. I never really, like, I never had any high school boyfriends and everyone did. And I just thought that I was broken Mm. and all the sexual experiences I had were never fulfilling. Yeah. So I always just thought, oh, something's wrong with me. And so one thing, like I always say that queerness is the most beautiful thing about my life. It really Mm. is in every facet. Like we'll probably go into it, but um, I just, I didn't even know. And so when I started, when I did come out and then started to enter community, I was like, whoa, Mm. I just, I was blind and now I can see. Like it's, it's, it was life changing. That sounds like a genuinely incredibly enlightening experience and one that I think that a lot of us don't really get right like coming to terms with some part of our identity that has been concealed for some time 
even people who are listening to this who may not identify as queer, that's not something that happens all of the time. But I do just want to like take a step back here and, you know, you talked about how your identity has kind of shifted from your adolescence, even your childhood maybe, to like your adulthood. But like, how would you define it now? Or how would you define your queer identity or the broader queer identity in general? Big question. Um, <laughs> we can we can bi- we can take yeah. it in bite sized chunks. I just kind of want to know like that. You know, you like how you said you were in the closet and you didn't even know it. Yeah, and now you're this amazing individual who is able to impact young people's lives with your message, with your stories. Like, what was the kind of journey from that place when you're in high school to the place you are now? I think the biggest um, part of it was visibility Mm. I only really understood these things within me when I saw it in others Mm. um that was and also experience like I don't know I I kind of branched into two sections like sexuality and gender because they are completely different I think a lot of people bunch gender and sexuality together because it's under the LGBTQIA plus you know Mm. header um but they're such different and also they intercross a lot as well. Mm. But for me, it was very separate. I realized I was gay or queer first. And that was this slow experience through relationships and through mm. having, like, I remember when I had my first crush outside of the person I loved in high school, I it was very beautiful because I was like, oh, this wasn't just a one-time thing. This is actually yeah. something inside of me. And it took a while to walk that path because I had never done it before I didn't know anyone I felt like that one I did kind of alone and it was very slow and it also took a lot of me um breaking down so many barriers that I had about me being broken yeah that came from which is such a hard experience to think if you like kind of hurts me to think that you ever thought of yourself that way I thought of myself for that way for such a long time on the other side of that was the most liberating and healing thing. And that's why I say Mm. queerness is one of the most gorgeous things about my life because it was like, oh, these things, yeah, yeah, they were not working for you for many different reasons. Let's give you another avenue to explore yourself. And through that, I was able to feel lovable. And and it was very relationship-based. But gender has been the most personal thing to me. And it was through... I guess another relationship, but I I met someone who became one of my best friends who was trans, is trans, and I saw in them or him what I always felt inside of me, and that's why I say visibility. I saw it and I went, hey, I, I really feel this thing, and I can't really describe it, but I just feel it, and then I um, started asking friends to use they, them, Again, because I had met other non-binary people and it just felt right. It didn't really make sense. I didn't understand it, but it just felt right. Yeah. And then people started using they, them. And it's not even about the words, to be honest. It's just mm. about a feeling. Um, what do you mean it's not about the words? Because I feel like, and I, I'm like, I just feel like this is such an interesting thing because I think when we think about the political space and whatever and how politics and personal opinion and public opinion interacts with our lives like a big discussion is around like the use of pronouns that's like the most exhausting part of all of it is that our identity as queer or trans people is political now and it's fucked am i allowed to swear yeah it is fucked because you know what I feel like only, like, the people who are oppressed, their lives become political. It's true. Like, it sucks. Men's lives are not political as much as, like, you know, a hetero cis man might want to say that, like, oh, my life is political because I could be cancelled. That's not a political thing the same way that, like, abortion is a political thing or, like, you know, access to curriculum or schools if you're someone who is transgender or non-binary is a fucking political thing these days. That's why I say that if, if I had it my way, I would not talk about my gender experience with anyone because I don't have words for it still. It Mm. has always been based in feeling and I can't really summarize it. And what sucks is that pronouns are such an external thing 
People can misgender you every single day. People say you're coming out every single day. Mm. And that is exhausting. And I wish I could... I just always define my gender as like a floating bob in the ether, which mm. makes cis people go, what the fuck are you on about? But, <laughs> but it's kind of a beautiful metaphor. I just... I, I don't feel beautiful. like man. I don't feel like woman. I just want to exist and not yeah. be seen as either blah, blah, blah. But I will talk about it because visibility is what granted me to feel like myself. So I will do this. So hopefully someone can listen and go, oh, I feel that within me as well, because that is the most beautiful gift we can give each other is that feeling of coming home to yourself. So I will do it because I want others to feel this way, but it's exhausting. It's the most personal thing. Like, just imagine any part of your identity that is, like, inside of you that you don't have words for. It's like a little locked box. Yeah. Having to find words for it and be able to, you know, talk about it on panels and make work about it. Mm. It's a lot. And I, I don't, I don't, hate it I Mm. have found a way to love it because now I am finding ways to give other young people the opportunity to make work about it and and create have expression yeah with it all but it's a really confusing thing yeah oh my gosh I can only imagine and it's actually really interesting for for me to hear and be like I'm asking you these questions right now and the fact that you've like learned to love this thing but then I think about my own experience, like, no one's ever questioned my identity that way. We kind of have it easy. Like, I never have to explain that because it falls into a very, like, easy box for people to understand. And I really do respect what you're saying about how it's, like, it comes with a lot of almost emotional burden. Would you say that's the right word for Emotional it? labor. Emotional labor. Yeah. But yet you still feel this duty to do it. I think what's really difficult is that uh, I... People, so for example, someone on the street, your family member, anyone asks you these questions about your mm. transness, your queerness, and for them, it's just another chat, another mm. discussion, another thing they're curious about. It's a dinner table conversation. For you, it is the most personal and sacred part. Yeah. And these conversations sometimes are really beautiful and healing and gorgeous, and I don't think they shouldn't happen. That's mm. how we bridge understanding but there is a lot of times that there is no acknowledgement of how much emotional labor the Mm -hmm. person from the marginalized group has to do because they're experiencing so much all the time they're experiencing Mm -hmm. people saying horrible things on instagram or saying things on the street that this isn't just another dinner table conversation this is them having to like you know pull out that drawer and bring out their palm cards that they've had to work out how to talk about these things it's and it's just it is so personal and I think it's something that I always like to say to you it's a dinner table conversation to me it's my heart yeah and I guess that kind of links back with what we were talking about how it's become quite politicized in a way that very few other elements of our identity other than like probably religion um have become politicized and even then it's very different I think like it's like the minority yeah. Olympics you hear about these days that yeah. like every so many parts of our identity are politicized now. Yeah. It's confusing that, you know, if you say, and honestly, since coming out as non-binary, I have risk- gotten so many more opportunities hmm. work-wise and it's interesting. Yeah. I, I go, oh, okay, cool. All my emotional labor, I guess it's coming through this way in a, in a weird, strange way, but Nothing's good yeah. or bad. It's just yeah. it's just what it is. Yeah, which is a great way. You're, you're such a stoic. <laughs> Wait, I always say Claude is a stoic hedonist. <laughs> you love life for what it what it contains, but you're very much like it's finite. I guess. I, yeah, the fragility of life. So you yeah. might as well enjoy it. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Well, with that in mind, I feel like you're talking you're talking a lot about this emotional labor, which I think that someone like me can't understand. Right? Like I'm never going to understand it the way that you've already understood it at at your age is there anything that you're like okay I wish people would just understand this about me or about the people that are like me or about the people that I have community with that isn't talked about much like what would you say is a big misunderstanding that if you had the opportunity you could correct or something that you would love to be like okay you know you're at a dinner table conversation with your family um what's a question you wish wasn't asked that you could correct right now? I think my main thing is 
to tell them you don't have to understand it to respect it. Mm. You, I love if you are trying to understand it and come from a place of empathy and openness and and that you want to listen, but you don't have to understand what it means to be non-binary or what it means to be trans or mm. like the logistics of it all. That's not really your business. And mm. you maybe can ask depending on the relationship and the person, but you don't have to understand it to just respect it. Yeah. That's yeah. the main thing because it is, I always say it is a, a gift if someone gives you their vulnerability and their their insights in all of this because they're living it every day and they're talking about it to all mm. of their friends and people in their life all the time. So if they want to give that to you, that's really gorgeous. But it should be, like, you should handle it as a gift, mm. not as just something that you take. Yeah, which I think is, like, a great attitude with many things. Like, someone's giving you their time and their energy and their they're very carefully thought out words like you said you know those um flashcards almost of information and and things that they need to plan to say have you have you found that like in the conversations you've had with family that there's people who haven't wanted to understand or haven't wanted to respect yeah all the time happens all the time you can sniff it instantly when someone is inquisitive and curious and wants to know and it's very different when someone doesn't give a fuck yeah what's what how can you tell the difference because i feel like the line of questioning to begin with might be quite similar um you can just a lot of a lot of it is in the tone if someone feels like they're arguing with you to some extent (laughs) and that's really hard because they're arguing about your identity yeah it's not none of their business i guess as well which is the strange thing like and also if they want to actually understand versus i don't know what versus but if they or judge or yeah, argue, I guess. but they're here to be like hey i don't really get it like mm. i love when people in my life who you know aren't queer sit me down and be like hey I love you so much and I really want to get, like, understand this part of you more. Can you tell me about it more? And it's something Mm. that was really beautiful. Um, The film I made, uh, the actor in it, the the lead, um, was – is this amazing uh, non-binary person who I adore. And they told me this really beautiful story that I feel like they won't mind me sharing. Mm. Um, Their mum – who's also this amazing filmmaker who I'm a big fan of. Mm. Um, She was like, I love your queerness. I want to understand it more. It's one of my favorite things about you. I cried because I was like, oh my gosh, that's stunning. I've heard enough of, oh, I'll love you despite this. Or I love you no matter what, even like, I want you to love me because of this, because it's one of my favorite things about me. Yeah. And I don't mean this with, like, family. I just mean this generally. It's, like, yeah. a gorgeous thing about a person. Yeah. I wish everyone could be queer. It's the best thing about being alive. <laughs> it really is. Why, why do you say that? Like, when you talk about – well, I guess it's, like, that visibility you were talking about, the community. The community. Yeah. It's even, out like, outside of the relationships and queer intimacy, which is also stunning. Yeah. Like, well, we were talking about that earlier. Like, um, that book that I've been reading that was really, really interesting and how it was about non-monogamy, uh, non-monogamy? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Open relationships, polyamory, and how so much of the hetero conceptualization of that idea has come from inspiration from, from queer culture and queer identities and, and people who have adopted that within, um, like lesbian communities and, and whatnot and how the relationships that they have with each other has kind of almost been taken as inspiration for how us as a hetero as like you know as a hetero person approaches concepts like that it's like so fascinating so interesting honestly i wish everyone could get a little portal into all the conversations i have with my queer friends because they about connection and about navigate like we i was having this gorgeous conversation today about um cross-pollination so oh what does that mean essentially like the web so especially at we're currently um on Gadigal land in Sydney mm. and in the inner west the queer community is quite 
dense. Mm. Um, everyone knows each other. Everyone's fucked each other. Everyone, it's very mm. interwoven. And we were talking today about how to navigate that. Mm. And I've had a lot of experience in that. And I think we came down to that if you have a connection with someone, if you want someone, always go out go for that like that Mm. you should again depends on everyone's moral compasses and Mm. relationships and (laughs) dynamics but also (laughs) it's all about communication and it's all about being conscious of other people's feelings and like queer people because we have to do that all the time our pool is a lot smaller than the hetero world we have learnt these skills of how to not always because sometimes it's really tricky but Mm. you know everyone is friends with their exes or one of their exes Mm. Everyone knows friends of friends who have slept with each other, seen each other, whatever it is. It's so interwoven. You have to learn these skills and it's really gorgeous. Um, But going back to why I love the queer community. Yeah, I want to hear everything about it. I feel like it's such an important thing to talk about. It's like if you're out there and you're (laughs) a baby queer. Uh, What a baby queer. A baby queer. You're you're queer. You maybe haven't come out or you don't have much community. Oh gosh, it is stunning because no matter where, like I just went to the US last year mm. and it was my first time going overseas queer, like out and queer. And yeah. Any, uh, anywhere I went, I would go to a queer bar, event, trans space, whatever. And every time I instantly felt safe and like I was with family. And that is what it always feels like going into a queer space, not Mm. always a gay space, but that's a whole other thing. But going into a queer space, you walk in, people will always make sure they look after you. People will always like have chats to you, welcome you, be inclusive. It is this like this big, huge network that you can just dive in and people are, they just, everyone's had the same shared experience. And a lot of people have had that in isolation or, you know, completely by themselves regionally in their Catholic or girls school, whatever it is, everyone has had a very similar experience and different ones, but like a core thing. So it just connects you in a way that, you know, that's why a lot of community, well, we call it chosen family, you know, because a lot of queer people's family don't always accept them or understand them. So like, you know, over Christmas I went to queer christmases and Mm. it was just filled with community and it was so gorgeous i Mm. i don't know what else to say i just it's one of my favorite things about being alive because it integrates all of these different kind of relationship structures it puts in family and it puts in friendship and love and like romantic love into one huge I keep saying cest pot. That is not it. But a like, you know, no, but like a gorgeous community, community. yummy dish. Oh, yum. It's gorgeous. <laughs> it does sound really beautiful. Mm-hmm. That's an amazing, I think, outlook. And especially when, as you were talking about, like the baby queers, I've never heard that. I think that is like the most beautiful phrase ever. And people here were saying like you're listening to this or, or even the film you made, which was targeted towards people who might be in like a pretty dark space who like or in in a pretty isolating space who haven't maybe been able to be truthful with themselves or those around them. And there might be people who are listening to this right now who are going through something really similar and who are really questioning, you know, whether they do want to come out and whether that's the right thing for them to do in their community, in their cultural group, in their family. And they might be listening to this with fear or excitement. So do you have... Any words of wisdom? Any advice for people who are in that situation? I think that coming out is quite archaic because Mm. if you are in a position that you do not feel safe to, I'm putting air quotes, come out with your family or cultural group or religious group or whatever it is, you can, for your own um, safety, not come out to those people but you can still access community whether that be online or whether that be in physical spaces depending on your situation that it doesn't need to be this huge overnight I'm out and proud you know fuck you support Mm. me what it doesn't need to be that if you need to stagger it if you need to have it in only safe spaces that is okay it is it doesn't matter Mm. because 
it is up to you and your safety. And that's what's really hard. And I drill home about all of this as well. So much of queerness is about safety. That's why we gather in community. That's why we have our echo chambers is because we do not feel safe Mm. out in the world all the time. Overseas, there's so many anti-queer laws in so many Mm. different countries. Like there is a reason we congregate at the bearded tit and, (laughs) you know, our different watering holes because that is the place. And then I also say, it is all coming for you, whether mm. you have it right now or you don't. And I really am sending so much love to you if you mm. do not have that right now and you don't feel it's accessible. But I just promise you to hold out because there's so many little pockets. There's, there's going to be the people that are yours and you're going to mm. find them. It's stunning. Ugh, our 20s. The drunk dialing, the forgetting to wash our face at night, and yes, neglecting our teeth. Don't do that last one. You only get one set of teeth, so you need to protect them. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface and locks in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. Pronamel also makes a new mouthwash, which helps to repair acid-weakened enamel beyond brushing alone. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy your toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit pronamel.com today. My mom has taught me so much about my value as a woman and the role that self-care plays in that. As we celebrate International Women's Day and all the strides we've made, let's also take a moment to reflect on something important, the future of our self-care. You see, for a long time, we've compromised on the things that matter most, us, but not anymore. New Conair Girl Bomb is helping us embrace a new era of self-care and self-love. Girl Bomb is a new line of powerful hair removal tools designed specifically for women. From the smoothest shave to the most precise trim, Conair Girl Bomb is all about making you feel empowered, confident, and unapologetically you. It's kind of like how I feel when I'm making this podcast, boxing, doing something that I love that empowers me. With Conair Girl Bomb's ultimate Girl Bomb grip and professional grade blades, we are reclaiming our self care journey with precision and power, the kind we used to only get from men's tools. So head to Walgreens today and treat yourself to a little Conair Girl Bomb magic because when you look good, you feel good, there is nothing more empowering than that. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. The following ad is sponsored by Pets Best Insurance Services. Pets come into our lives in many ways. Shelters, breeders, or unexpected encounters. But no matter how you found your pet, they become our perfect match. Unfortunately, finding the right pet insurance plan can be hard. That's where Pets Best comes in. With a little information about you and your pet, Pets Best will recommend a plan that meets your needs and budget. Visit PetsBest.com to learn more today. Your perfect pet deserves the perfect coverage. PetsBest.com. Claude, you do some amazing things for your emotional and your mental and your spiritual well-being, I would say, that really kind of, I think, drew me to you when we first met. Um, and then as I like started following along with like some of the things you're posting online and then some of the discussions we've had recently, it's just become even more prominent to me. Like what an amazing inspiration you are for the, 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 the specific like activities that you do that really help like recenter you. Can you talk a bit about them? I want to hear about the solo dates in particular. I feel the like this solo is dates. the solo dates is like one of the best ideas I've heard in a long time. Well, I think solo dates is something we've all heard about, but I mm. have a structure that I've been doing for the last three years. Yeah. Um, 
that every month I go on a solo date to an Italian restaurant. Mm. You can choose your own. You don't have to be Italian. That's just what I like. To be Vietnamese. Whatever you like. But I like yeah. to do Italian because I love Italian food. Oh, me too. Um, and I book myself into a restaurant. I bring my journal and every time as well I book they're always like just for one person I'm like yeah babe well at the big at the start of the solo dates I would be a bit timid and be like yeah it's just me but no now I'm like yes it's just me I go to a different Italian restaurant every single time and I have these set of questions that I you know ask myself where I journal about them so I will put like the my date number where I'm at physically like the location yeah and then I ask myself what did you do today and I write in extreme detail because that will be so interesting to look back on when Mm. I'm an old old person yeah um and then I ask what are you looking forward to and I do little dot points and I do what's on your mind or in your heart and I just let myself splurge whatever is taking up brain space and then what are you proud of yourself for and I do little dot points and then the last three texts I receive because I think that's just another interesting thing to see and I've been doing that every single month for the last three years and it is such a beautiful thing like a gift to yourself every month but also a moment of reflection Mm. and to see what you want to, what you're looking forward to, where you've been, where you're at, and at the end of every solo date, I read the um, entry from the month before, and mm. it's wild. Every time I say, "What are you looking forward to?" or "What do you want?", everything happens. Like really, it, like it, it always does. And also, like it could be big things, it could be small things, but it, it just keeps you on track for what you really want in your life. Mm. And I think having rituals like that is just a really gorgeous thing to be able to check in with yourself and continually check in with your gut and that Mm. you're on the path that you want to be on because Mm. we have a short time on this earth. We Mm. really do, but it's also the longest thing we're ever going to know because it's like human, you know, the human time. Like that's all we know, but it's the longest but also shortest thing because it's inevitably going to end. So I want to be living my life how I fucking want to, like, how I want to be. I want to be doing what I want. I want to be following my gut. I want to be always prioritizing my well-being, my pleasure, my joy. Mm. And so it's it's a way for me to continually do that because it's very easy in life to get swept away and feel monotonous or disassociated or out of touch and get into a routine that you're, you're just you're not in touch with yourself so it's mm. some it really allows for me to continually check in yeah and I feel like those rituals are such an important part of our 20s right and I love what you're saying about knowing that like and hoping that you're going to get to the age where you can be reflective on these points and being like I'm, I'm going to be able to track my development and like my goals and, and things like that and also th- I read back these entries from ye- like you know a few years ago yeah. and the things that when I would say what's in your mind or what's in your heart and I'd read those splurges of my anxieties mm. or whatever was happening, years later, months later, that's fluff. I don't remember it or I it's not important to me anymore. And it, it mm. teaches me that when I'm feeling anxious about something or I my brain is spiraling about something, that that is always transitory. Like it is... It isn't going to be there for long. So if Mm. you're feeling it, let it swell. But also there are times to externalize and step out of it because it's Mm. really not going to be there forever. Some things are, Mm. but a lot of things are just going to float away and you're not going to really remember it. Yeah. I have this saying that I say quite a bit on the podcast, which is that like, if it's not going to matter in five years, you shouldn't think about it for longer than five minutes. If it's not going to matter for a month yeah you you know it's well that's the thing right it's like and I totally have that experience as well which is like why I also am a huge proponent of journaling of of in some way keeping track of of your journey through life I like read back on this journal entry from like 2017 which is what like six years ago yeah and I was like talking about this person I was like I'm not gonna say their name because I feel like I don't know they are a real person but I was like 
let's call them Lucy. I was mm-hmm. like, Lucy said this really mean thing to me. And then, you know, Anna was like saying this thing and that. And I was so annoyed and I was so mad and like, blah, blah, blah. I don't even remember who those people are. Like I was reading back on that journal entry and I was like, who is Anna? Who is Lucy? Like, I don't have any idea of who they are. But I think that like, especially in this like like this decade of life where it's like this is our first decade of adulthood everything feels so permanent and so severe and we no longer have like the shelter of our families and the shelter of being young to kind of protect us things can feel so much more serious than they actually are but also flip that we are still so Mm. young your 20s we were talking about this before Mm. are famously the time of making mistakes experimenting working out who you are so it's also that it's okay to mm. go through all those growing pains still, mm. you know? You're not, you haven't got your shit sorted in your 20s whatsoever. Yeah. No, literally, I feel like, and it's so interesting, um, I think, like, meeting other people who are doing something similar and, like, doing a creative thing and being like, whoa, like, this is, I never expected that I'd end up here. And I always think about who I was 10 years ago. Or five years ago. And I'm like, whoa, this person would never have really been able to conceptualize or have any understanding of, you know, the loves that I've had, the mistakes that I've made, the moves that I've made. Like, And that's going to keep happening. I know. And that's like actually such a beautiful thing to me. Because I think sometimes I get quite worried about like the passing of time. And I'm like, oh my God, this is so stressful that like life is so finite and there's so much I want to do. And, you know, time just keeps passing. And then I'm like, the fact that I like look back on the last five years of my life and I'm like, you know, by the, in five years time, I won't be 30, I won't even be 30 yet. And I will have all of those experiences and so many more yet again. And like, I just cannot wait for it. It makes me feel so optimistic to reflect and then also look forward. I don't know if you have that same experience. I've always loved getting older. I've always, I just, I've every time I get a year older, I go, thank the Lord. Just, I love getting older. I can't wait. Ah. I love being this age. I'm excited to be in my thirties. I'm excited to be in my forties. I'm excited to be in my fifties. I don't want to rush it, but I love getting older. I love juicing more experiences up and becoming who I am because every year it gets better. Like, it's also hard. Like last year was fucking hard, Mm. but it was every year I'm just getting closer and closer to myself. And I was Mm. saying to you before, and this might be different and Claudia in a year's time will be like, what the fuck, man, what are you (laughs) saying? But I don't get nervous anymore. Mm. I have, I feel so confident in myself Mm. and that is so cool. And maybe, you know, I like to say this quote I heard somewhere, which is you will lose yourself over and over again and you will find yourself over and over again. So yeah. I'm sure there are times that I will feel extremely nervous and anxious and mm. all those things. But as I keep getting older, I just feel more in myself. Mm. And I think that's a really nice thing to look forward to because mm. time gives you that. Well, yeah, like you did go through a really rough time last year. Like we talked about this the other day, right? And it was, I didn't live it. And even hearing you speak about it, I was like, that sounds awful and mm. so traumatic. And so what do you think is, well, you know, there's been circumstantial things that have changed, but like the fact that you're talking about, you're talking about how you don't have any anxiety and um, how your life just keeps getting better. Like, why do you think you've been able to shift into that perspective? Like, what do you think has changed in the way you see the world or the way you address your life or focus on your life Yeah, that has created that shift? Because I'm sure that a lot of people are listening to this being like, Wow, living without anxiety. That sounds absolutely blessed. Well, I also want to acknowledge that a lot of people, you know, have anxiety or depression or any other yeah. kind of... Um, yeah, mental health conditions. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's that, that is yeah. outside of their control. And yeah. I, I'm not like, woo, life is great. Just yeah. live on the bright side. But um, for me, uh, my mum uh, was diagnosed with cancer last year mm. and that was heinous. It was... She's she's fine now she's in remission mm. which is great um Big but for that. yeah it was yeah. it was heinous and I was also going through a breakup at the same time so those oh. two and like my first big breakup so the two were kind of mm. hitting off each other um but since you know healing from both of those things a huge perspective shift happened which was if I wake up 
and circumstantial things that I cannot control, everything is shit and I can't control that, then mm-hmm. fair enough to feel all those things. But if I wake up and everything is okay for the most part in my immediate life, like obviously the world is a bit cooked. So, yeah. you know, I understand when people can tap into that. But if I wake up and people in my life are alive and well and healthy at this point and then I might as well have the best fucking time and enjoy myself because it tragedy's coming for all of us. (laughs) Pain is coming for all of us. That is inevitable. I watched this a really amazing documentary called Stuts, which I told you to watch. Oh, the one with Jonah Hill. Did you watch it? Yeah, where he interviews his I need to watch it. Maybe I'll watch it tonight. You should. Well, he says that, his therapist says that the three constants in life is pain, uncertainty, and constant work, Mm. which I really agree with. But if you wake up, and your world is not on fire, try and have the best fucking day because Mm. your world will be on fire some Mm. days and you cannot control that and you will not be able to have the best day. So Mm. a a huge thing that just happened when I thought that my mum was going to die and then coming out the other side of that is going, okay, great, it didn't happen. Well, I might as well reap all of the joys of life, smell the fucking flowers as I walk around, Mm. look at dogs, pat them, (laughs) go after what I want. Every part of my life I love. Yeah. Every part of it. And I think that all of us should aim for that if we can, for whatever. It just, in every single way, my career, Mm. my friends, my home, my life, everything I love. Yeah. And it's almost like this, I wouldn't say artificial optimism or forced optimism, but like this attitude of being like, let's see the brighter side here. And I I completely agree with you. Like one of my friends was saying to me the other day that her therapist was like, "Um, listen, like your life is going to be painful. There are going to be things that you cannot control, things that are outside of your comfort zone, external things like illnesses, like death, losing your job. But being able to be like, what is within my realm of control? What am I able to actually like, it's almost like a chess game, right? Like you can't control the other person's moves, but you can control your own. And also then finding things that give you a sense of fulfillment or ease or peace Mm. in all of it. Peace is a huge thing for me Mm. is in all of it, how to find a sense of inner peace and acceptance. And when... Everything was really shit last year. I was living by the ocean and every single day I'd wake up, I'd get my coffee, I'd go and put it on my special rock and Mm. I'd go for a swim and every time I put my head under the water and I came up, I felt like a moment of pure joy and catharsis. And then I'd go and sit on my rock, drink my coffee and just journal and always like having that every morning as a morning ritual Mm. was so healing and gorgeous and again another gift to myself Mm. that I could grant myself um because in that moment I couldn't control the pain I was feeling Mm. and everything that was happening but I could give myself that morning every morning and it it put me in a really good place and then you know the day would take its course and who knows Mm. but I think that if you're in a space that things are happening and you can't control it, Mm. finding those little rituals that give you some peace Mm. is really important. I think that's an amazing point to maybe wrap up. Mm. We've had so many conversations. Pain and beauty. Pain and beauty. Yeah, we're kind of philosophizing, aren't we? We're just getting into like very – I feel like every time we – we talk we have these very like <laughs> the conversations just go into this like entirely like we could be teaching a university course right now about hedonism <laughs> and about stoicism and about the the reality of, of pain and, and whatnot but um i do want to sincerely thank you for coming on I well i want to sincerely a- thank you for having me on oh my god so much sincerity <laughs> in one space at one time no it was an amazing it was an amazing experience and um, I hope that if you've made it this far, which I hope many of you have, that you've learned something. You've learned something important. Maybe you were listening to this as a baby queer, like you were talking about. And who better to take advice from than this amazing person? And- but also I take so much, not take so much, but I learn so much from queer youth as well, I want to yeah. say. that like It's not just like, oh, the little baby queers. Like, yeah. They are the future and they are teaching us everything. And yeah. they are 
on it. Honestly, like, I feel like this. I feel like often when we talk, like, the narratives around the queer community are often, like we said, politicised. So it's, like, really beautiful that you came on and we're talking about community and something that I think is not often recognised by people beyond that space and beyond that identity and beyond that community. It's the best so kept secret. <laughs> it is a beautiful secret. And I'm so glad that you shared it with me. I feel very, very privileged and very blessed. So and the listeners. Yes, and you listeners. You're in on the secret as well. Oh, little secret circle. Um... Well, thank you for coming on. And if you did enjoy this episode, please feel free to leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you are listening right now. Follow us um, on Instagram at That Psychology Podcast if you want to hear more. Um, I'm sure I'd also tag you there, Claude. Hopefully. Oh, you know. You know what's (laughs) going to happen. So if you want to follow along with their work, I would really recommend it. You can... Um, maybe you should pin that post about your solo Italian dates. I don't know how to pin things, oh, but I'll learn. It's incredible. I really, I want that to be like common knowledge. Um, how to pin things or the solo dates? <laughs> <laughs> Both. Okay. I'll learn how to the pin. The solo dates. Yeah. I'll give you a tutorial. Um, and thank you again for listening and we will see you next week for another episode. Ugh, our 20s. The drunk dialing, the forgetting to wash our face at night, and yes, neglecting our teeth. Don't do that last one. You only get one set of teeth, so you need to protect them. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface and locks in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. Pronamel also makes a new mouthwash, which helps to repair acid-weakened enamel beyond brushing alone. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair and anywhere you buy your toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit pronamel.com today. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from The Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Got menopause? We've got you. Hi, Jackie here, founder of ExoJackie. Feel supported throughout your menopause journey and beyond with our organic protein powders and symptom relief boosts. Formulated to keep bones and muscles strong, ExoJackie products help reduce bloating, hot flashes, and weight gain. Enjoy 20% off with promo code EXOPODCAST. Shop now at exojacqui.com. Made for women by women. Did you know that most salads travel over 2,000 miles to reach your plate, but not with 80 Acres Farms? Their crisp salad greens and herbs are food less traveled, going from farm to store in days, not weeks. They stay fresher for longer in your fridge. My salad lasts all week long, which means less food waste and easy meal planning. Oh, and did I mention there's no need to wash these greens? Because 80 Acres Farms uses zero pesticides. Visit 80acresfarms.com to learn more and find their salads and salad kits at your local Harris Teeter.